1: you might actually be the most derivative one of all i mean christ the same house maybe so but you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie never answer the i'm bored wait and welcome back to horror queers we're talking creating a medical emergency we're talking wild practical effects from a low-budget indie and we're talking i never dreamed this thing turned into a menage a trois and i'm joe and i'm trace and we're talking it's okay it's okay we're cutting your arm off (laughs) trace i forgot about that moment (laughs) <laughs> and that moment goes so fucking hard.
0: It's so hard, but also that line delivery is so funny. Um, everyone, we are discussing Toby Wilkins' 2008 gem of an indie film, mm-hmm. Splinter. And um, man, Joe, uh, I got to say, this movie held up for me.
1: Yeah, I was actually really worried because when you and I got off the mic at the end of the last episode, we were both so excited that we were going to cover this film because we both really like it. But then that creeping little bit of doubt got into my mind. I thought, what if it's not as good as you remember? Because I've only seen it the one time. Mm hmm. And it was great. I loved it. It's still fantastic. <laughs> that's my, No, that's my question
0: to you, though. It's like, because I I, I shockingly saw this in theaters when what? it came out. in Really? I, I know. I know. I was looking at the box office. I mean, like, so according to Box Office Mojo, this film opened in four screens on October 31st, 2008. And I was like... How did you see it then? No- well, and here's the thing, though. It was playing – so next to UT Austin campus, uh, there was a mall. And mm-hmm. it was like – even by 2008, it was like – it was a shitty-ass mall. It was kind of it, – it looked like the Dawn of the Dead mall where it's like there's <laughs> no
1: one here. Okay. Okay.
0: And they had a movie theater called the Theater, and it had, like, six screens in it, and it was just, like, you know, rinky-dink shitty, like, oh, it had that kind of mildewy smell. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Splinter was playing there for one weekend, that Halloween weekend, and I went to go see it.
1: <laughs> That's wild. Were you just like, oh, it's a creature feature, I'm going, I don't care?
0: You know, I think I had read about it on Bloody. I don't... <sighs> I actually don't know if it's screened at any festivals or not, but I remember reading articles about it on Bloody, and I, yeah, I just saw Creature Feature, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go see this movie, and I think the review was fairly positive. I mean, when we go into the reception, this film did get a relatively strong positive reception, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was 19, 20 at the time, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go walk to this theater that's right, right. across campus and go see this Creature Feature, um, and I was not disappointed.
1: Ah, isn't it wild? Those old days, like, I've had conversations with former guest Lindsay Traves about how, There were times in our youth, I'm using youth with air quotes here, there were times where we would just like randomly roll up at a movie theater and be like, what's playing? Let's go watch something like that was a thing that people of a certain generation would do. Maybe the kids still do it nowadays, but I feel like it's so much harder to find a weird little gem when you go to a multiplex now, because it's just like 25 screens all showing the same three or four movies, right?
0: Yeah, you've got to look for those smaller, it's not even an indie theater, but it's a a theater that plays those indie films. Like I remember Mm -hmm. there was another one in Austin. I was like, oh, I'm going to go see the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and I'm going to go see the girl who played with fire because that was the only theater showing those at the time. And Mm -hmm. those would be the fun ones where I was like, okay, let's just show up and see what the next showtime is and we'll go see some random. And you know, because I think when you're younger and you're seeing a foreign film, or an uh, independent film, you're like, ooh, I'm classy going to see these <laughs> I'm taking a huge <laughs> risk right now. I should be applauded. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, even in the old, the days of yore, you know, we had movie phone or we had newspapers to, like, mm-hmm. read movie times. And so today we just don't have that. Sorry, we do have it because it's literally at the tip of our finger when, right. wherever we go.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess the difference feels like your exposure to some of these secret little You know, you called this a gem off the top, and I would agree with that. I think there's going to be a bunch of people who listen to this episode having either never seen this movie, never heard of this movie, or they're going to be so fucking excited that we're covering it because they're part of that small little group who champions it but it also feels like it's harder to discover these things like I think we really rely on word of mouth now you know somebody writes a little listicle and we look at number 8 and realize ooh that sounds intriguing maybe I'll seek it out well but I almost I attribute a lot of that though to oversaturation
0: because while you and I have both said we will never complain about having an endless supply of horror films to watch Mm -hmm. it's difficult because yeah it is hard to find those gems so that's we're honestly and not to toot our own horns but people people like us or genre critics or regular critics come in to be like yeah i watched all this shit and here's three good ones
1: <laughs> i spared you the expense you can learn from my lesson avoid these ones and watch these ones
0: exactly now i will say i was a little surprised because so I, I posted that i was watching this on my socials as i sometimes do mm-hmm. and so many people were like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're covering this. And I went to Letterboxd and I saw so many people reviewing this movie back in October of last year. And they were watching huh. it for the first time. And so I was like, maybe it hit Shutter or some streaming service or something, because it usually seems to be when people start rediscovering older. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm using older in quotes. This 2008. Right. <laughs> Little smaller films. But I, I mean, clearly it found an audience for some reason in October of last year.
1: <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. I couldn't remember if I owned this movie because I have a kind of deep bench catalog of movies that I more or less stole from Blockbuster in the final closing days where, you know, you would go and you could get 10 movies for $10 or something like that. So I just grabbed anything that looked interesting. And this for me was of a time period where there was still that kind of air of questionability about direct-to-video movies like sometimes you might find a splinter but sometimes you might find i don't know insert generic title x where you're like oh it's dancing arachnophobes volume 8 or something mega piranha
0: (laughs) yeah and
1: so it often felt like you were taking a risk but you know in in those times it was kind of like well the prices are so cheap like it really doesn't matter if i just happen to have a new coaster if this goes badly <laughs>
0: New coaster. How dare you, sir?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All that to say, this for me was just like a random blockbuster rental because I would kind of peruse the aisles, walk around, take a look at what was on the shelf, and anything that kind of caught my eye, I would just sort of grab. But it's weird because I remembered watching this movie in the early 2000s. So I don't know why I would have stumbled onto it because it would have been obviously quite a bit later than that it probably would have been closer to like 2010 which is not when i was doing a lot of renting at that point because i was like well (laughs) basically my ex had stopped working at blockbuster so my access had been cut off oh that's really funny because i had
0: started working at blockbuster like a year after this movie came out and i remember like the shelf it didn't have its own like like wall but it Mm -hmm. had its own row of of, oh okay so nice Definitely one I recommend it to people. Uh, And uh, actually, question for you, because why are we covering this movie for queer stuff? Because I I think, I think, and correct me if I'm
1: wrong, Mm -hmm. director
0: Toby Wilkins is a queer man.
1: Yes, and I can't remember how we discovered it because when I went searching to find it... I couldn't find any kind of notification. It's not listed on his Wikipedia or his IMDb. There's no mm-hmm. articles on it. But yeah, I remember at one point you and I stumbled on this because he's also the director of The Grudge 3. Yes. So we thought, okay, well now we can cover those two films unquestionably. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm sorry, brief aside about The Grudge 3. I I
0: remember thinking The Grudge 3 was actually fine for a straight-to-DVD J-horror sequel, especially when The Grudge 2 was as uh, abominable as Horrible. it was. Yeah um people have told me that i am wrong in that assessment oh no (laughs) i've only seen it the one time uh but i remember being like oh it's fine and it has shawnee smith in it and Mm -hmm. it is a direct sequel to the grudge too so i mean like it's not like a standalone film right it's no hostile three Oh, God. See, that that's your movie. That's the one where it's like, I can get a Splinter or I can get a Hostel 3. <laughs> <laughs> but at least with Hostel, I recognize the title and it still says Eli Roth Presents. Oh, my God. But yeah, so um, whether or not Toby Wilkins is queer, I, I, I agree with you. I know that we found that tidbit somewhere, but this could have been, what, two years ago when we were still planning things? Mm-hmm. Um. Nevertheless, even if Toby Wilkins is not queer, everyone, this is a very good movie. Um, it's not quite micro budget, but and I couldn't find an exact number. But it seems to me the budget for this film fell fall somewhere around seven hundred thousand dollars. And wow. okay. when you look at this film, I mean, look, we can talk about the shaky cam all you want. It doesn't really bother me in this movie, but I get for some people that it does. Um, th- this movie is a is a treasure trove of outstanding practical effects on a very 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 limited budget.
1: Yeah, yeah. I will definitely cop to the fact that I remembered seeing more than we actually do. I think we still see plenty. Mm -hmm. Clearly, we are using the camera as well as the editing to disguise how little we can move this creature or or rather how we can make it move so there is a certain kind of music video editing style at play here yeah and i can certainly appreciate that if people come in because we've been gushing about how good the practical effects are and then they say well i can't fucking see anything right that's a bit of a legitimate claim it it was shakier and faster paced editing than i remembered but at the same time when you're seeing this creature like It is fucking scary, and it looks great.
0: Oh, it absolutely does. And I I don't have a huge, I don't really have a production history for us, because apparently, unfortunately, apparently this movie had no issues. Um, There was a really, really easy road to get there. No troubles on set, really. But um, so I have fun little factoids that I'll probably sprinkle in through our plot. But um, yeah, this creature is all prosthetics and makeup Mm -hmm. mostly played by a gymnast named jamie henderson who spent a couple weeks like you know basically like learning or teaching himself or creating the flips and movements of the creature to give it its own personality right and then uh the first victim of the creature uh the gas station attendant played by charles baker he had a lot of experience in mime training which is Uh, where his uh, interpretation of the creature's movements came from
1: hmm okay i can see it
0: But yeah, so I mean, like, honestly, like, but with CGI, like, there is very little CGI here. I'll point out the very few brief moments that there are. Um, There's like one shot that actively looks bad. Mm -hmm. But it's just that as a split second shot. Right. Okay. Creature effects, by the way, handled by quantum creative effects who weren't really familiar to me. But Mm -hmm. they, this is the film they worked on right before they went off to go work on Zack Snyder's Watchmen oh
1: really yeah. that's interesting that's a huge step up holy cow! <laughs> right i know i mean in terms of budget
0: <laughs> oh, well, ex- exactly yeah and you know i mean honestly well this movie probably wasn't very profitable because um it didn't make its money back but well yeah hopefully it did on dvd and blu-ray but yeah we're looking as i said at a release on october 31st 2008 uh, a brief runtime of 82 minutes thank you lord
1: mm-hmm. um
0: The opening weekend gross. I mean, again, y'all four theaters, we're looking at the number 81 spot with about (laughs) $9,500. Yeah,
1: it's just how do you cut through that noise? Like you're literally getting eyeballs of maybe a handful of people yeah
0: i mean i i don't even know what the plan was for this
1: distribution model like
0: maybe if it did better like just for a four theater release like it would have expanded um Mm. but again like if you weren't reading sites like bloody disgusting i don't know if you were really aware this movie existed
1: yeah i'll i'll confess that i'm surprised it even went theatrical in four theaters at all considering this seems like a very obvious play to capture the home video market 100%.
0: 100%. I mean, yeah, it was a different time back then.
1: I don't know. It's true. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, it does make, uh, it goes on to make about 14000 domestically and 500000 overseas. So we're looking at a worldwide gross of $522,497. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So e- even given a $700,000 budget, if that's what it was, um, still didn't make its money back.
1: <laughs> well, and here's the thing, though, is if we truly believe that it was intended for home video, I'm willing to bet that it more than broke even because this was the day and age where people were renting voraciously. So it probably made, like, I would wager anywhere between... Eight and $20 million on home video. I would wager that as
0: well. I mean, if it at least made a million dollars, like, there you go, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) it made its money back.
1: Yeah, I mean, whether the money gets back to the filmmaker is another question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's something I won't even
0: pretend to understand based on whatever distribution model we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Although I do wonder what, I mean, because Toby Wilkins, so, you know, he, as you said, he does this, he does The Grudge 3, and then he really just sticks to TV a lot after this. I mean, these are the only two features he's done. He did a lot of Teen Wolf.
1: Uh, okay. Interesting, considering the Jill Wagner connection
0: well okay so that's the thing uh, she is for me a dead ringer uh to jennifer esposito mm, okay i don't know her from anything um so i saw when i saw she was on teen wolf i was like oh, okay that makes sense like toby Wilkins did teen wolf she's on uh-huh. teen wolf most of her career has been spent hosting the reality television show wipeout yep yeah i didn't know that that's really cool
1: <laughs> yeah and then she pops up in like hallmark christmas movies now too oh that's for
0: you well that in teen wolf i guess huh
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a wild career trajectory. It's one of those things where. I could see people looking at her and being like, she's conventionally attractive. Like, she's exactly what you would expect to see on a Spike TV or something like that, right? But Mm -hmm. I have always found her very charismatic, and she seems kind of genuine. Well, I mean, look, everyone, like,
0: we're talking about the effects and stuff in this movie, but I actually think what elevates this movie above other, I'm going to say direct-to-video ilk, even though it did go to four screens, Mm -hmm. the character work in this film is above and beyond anything I would expect from this. And I'm not saying it's good just because it's better than I expected. It's legitimately good character work. And I love this central trio of protagonists that we have.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will definitely co-sign on that. I think the other thing that surprises me is that the movie often zigs when you think it's going to zag. Like this isn't a movie that just opens at the convenience store and stays at the convenience store because we could only afford one set. Like you think that this is going to be uh, chase through the woods with something kind of deal and instead it then turns into this convenience store staged hostage thing like the the movie has a bunch of different subgenres at play. and i think that it's using them smartly in unconventional or maybe unexpected ways
0: well i think the fact that we have an original creature at play makes Mm -hmm. it more interesting because we're learning about this the same at the same time as the characters right it's not like it's oh it's a werewolf oh it's a Mm -hmm. rabid dog like no, no, no no this is something entirely new and again we're fitting all this into a very brief 82 minute runtime so this movie flies by
1: yeah. And I like that we don't get all the answers. Like we have no idea where it came from, how this first kind of rodent raccoon beaver mm-hmm. thing got infected. Like there's still questions that can be asked of this. Like there's frankly sequel opportunities that I would gladly welcome here.
0: Oh, 100%.
1: But, yeah, I mean, it benefits from the fact that it's a relatively simple and straightforward story, but the monster is really compelling, and the little glimpses we're getting into its anatomy, into its motivations, how it works, and all that kind of stuff, they're intriguing, but they're not overdone. Like, the movie isn't stopping to put the creature under a microscope. Well, I guess I'm not really surprised
0: that we didn't get a sequel to this, given the box office take, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, yeah, uh... This, ah, man, I would love to see more of this world, if only because we so rarely get to see original
1: creatures anymore. This is true. Yeah, and ones that are well executed. Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, I
0: mean, even going back to that budget, I'm just like, how how did they do some of this stuff and that's why the shaky cam doesn't really bother me as much because as you said the shots where we do get to see this creature i Mm -hmm. mean i say creature it's (laughs) if anyone's Mm -hmm. watching the last of us it's basically a fungus or a mole that takes over your body and like you know parasites itself onto you uh right but there's something just so visually interesting about the splinter effects of all of this
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks like a quill kind of effect, right? And particularly when you think, oh, in these movies, it's very evocative of a zombie film or some other kind of pathogen right where you cannot get too close to it because all you need is one piece of contact like that's what happens to Dennis right he gets a finger pricked (laughs) and by the end of the movie he's out (laughs) oh Shea Wiggum
0: how good when I saw this movie I didn't know who Shea Wiggum was and so watching this I was like oh that's Shea (laughs) Mm
1: Wiggum well it's funny I was actually we took a brief moment so that you could check something and I was like How do I know Shea Wiggum? And I went back through some of his filmography. He's done a bunch of TV. He often plays either a cop or a bad dude. Yep. So uh, this is very much in his track record. But I realized that I know him from that season of Fargo. And he was also in the Agent Carter TV series.
0: Uh, and you you are one hundred percent correct. Like I, honestly, because when I was pulling my little like you know like my cheat sheet for this, I was like, I yeah, I don't know what I know Shea Wigan from, but I've definitely seen that season of Fargo. I've mm-hmm. definitely seen the season of True Detective that he's on, right boardwalk empire is a big thing but he's also in take shelter silver linings playbook Kong Skull island first man vice mm-hmm. joker and i'm like well i've definitely seen at least half of those movies
1: <laughs> yeah he he turns up in a couple of your fast and furious movies too
0: yes he does
1: <laughs> my fast and the furious movies as if you don't watch every single one of those <laughs> things <laughs> i deny you can't prove anything
0: <laughs> But anyway, okay, so before I pass it off to you, Joe, um, critical reception, we are looking at a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 6.4 out of 10. And on Letterboxd, we've got a 6 out of 10. So, um, but again, I've been seeing more people come around to this. I'm sorry, come around to this, discover this and be like, oh, wow, that's really good. So
1: if you haven't seen it
0: yet, hopefully we will change your, hopefully we will convince you to see it.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But let's go. Okay. So we open with a crane shot that brings us down uh, to the eyeline on Sherman gas station. And we're following a chip eating attendant who's uh, credited apparently as Blake Sherman Jr., who, as you mentioned, is played by Charles Baker. But like this character has virtually no dialogue. Uh, I think he wears a name tag, which is maybe where people pulled this information from but uh he's he's kind of our opening introduction kill right like he gets attacked by something that he sees next to the gas station we don't really get to see it but then we see the results of the attack which are intercut with the credits
0: yeah this is where you'll get again your first taste of that shaky cam also if anyone's a big breaking bad fan this actor is best known for playing skinny pete on breaking bad and el camino the breaking bad movie
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah, I definitely recognized him. But I was kind of just like, am I confusing him with some other sort of like generic faced yeah. white dude?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, no, I mean, all we really get to see, you know, we see the, the shuffle. And it, it's, again, you're gonna know right away if this style of editing is for you or not. But I will say it's not, it's not all throughout the film. It's just really in these major action scenes, which granted, there are quite a few of <laughs>
1: yeah i mean i i would say there's one or two sort of sustained moments where you've got to deal with it but a lot of the time it's not as bad as you might expect yeah and i mean like i know that a lot of people when they're watching movies like this they're not
0: taking budget into effect but sometimes like this this kind of style of, of mm-hmm. camera work is meant to hide uh, uh not bad effects the, the effects of aren't bad
1: but like maybe where you could see that it is just that an effect mm-hmm yeah, it's we're we're trying to be strategic with the way that we film and edit because we don't have the budget to just let you linger on something.
0: Yes. But that being said, if you have motion sickness, maybe not the best movie for you to watch.
1: <laughs> you know what? Take a drive. I mean, and jump on in, people. Exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so after, yes, Sherman Jr. goes down, we then move over to I, I wrote SUV. It could be a truck. I don't drive. <laughs> A vehicle with four tires that can carry multiple passengers is traveling down the road and there is this ominous test site warning on the fence that they drive by. I didn't really capture it, but I was very much like, (laughs) Zombie yeah
0: oh my god talk about original creatures by the way um i I will say so listen to the commentary it's not like a particularly insightful commentary it's a lot of like it's it's the director and um the history cast members actually kind of hanging out watching the movie together so it's one of those like oh i feel like i'm in the room watching this with them but you're not really getting a ton of insight but right I will say that Wilkins says that he believes uh, that the creature has always been on Earth. It's been primordial, just kind of living under the ground or in the mm. forest or whatever, and it's
1: finally made its way out. Okay, so this isn't some kind of government spill that has mutated a woodland creature. <sighs> That's not what he says, but honestly, I had the exact
0: same thought you did when we're looking I at mean, again. Whenever you see testing site signs, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, red flag. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't have flashbacks to our experience watching The Outwaters earlier this month on mm-hmm. Patreon, because we've had a similar discussion about, you know, like, oh, what do we think those sort of snaky, questionable things are? And yeah. that's a test site. Yeah, but you know what? As you said, we're
0: not going to learn anything about uh, everything about this creature. The only thing we learn is because our main character, I'm sorry, one of our main characters, Seth, played by Pablo Costanzo, is... Um, He's a PhD in
1: biology.
0: There you go. That, mm-hmm. But he's working towards it. He doesn't have one yet, does he? Right.
1: No. Okay. He's he's still a student because Dennis, the Shea Wiggum character, actually dresses him down <laughs> for it. <laughs> Aren't you a bit old to be a student? How dare you, sir? <laughs>
0: have you ever been personally attacked by regina george
1: (laughs) (laughs) have you ever been personally attacked by
0: dennis
1: (laughs) yeah so seth is one of the two passengers within this vehicle the other one is polly played by jill wagner they're celebrating their anniversary with plans to go hump under the stars and trace (laughs) i thought of you because you are such a seth in that you would not go down for camping
0: i would not be down for this so yes my husband's definitely more of a poly he's not like i wouldn't call him a camper but he now that we live in colorado he wants to do more camping Mm -hmm. me being the wonderful husband that i am i am like okay i will i will be seth and i will go and do this with you but i'll probably break the tent just like seth does oh
1: my god i i legitimately wondered if he was a butterfingers which i think is what we're meant to believe I took it as you know what? fuck this tent. I don't want to do this. I'm just gonna break a tent pole so that we can go spend the night in a motel.
0: Oh my God, that sounds awesome. um yes, uh the one thing again, where the script subverts my expectations is at, at most points in this movie, you think that we're gonna get some kind of trivial conflict between mm-hmm. this, the romance of this couple, right? and it never happens. <laughs> I really, really appreciate that because we don't have time for that shit.
1: we don't and we do because i will confess you know i deliberately picked the queerest line of dialogue in Uh the spirit of our sister podcast dirty little horror uh you know i i picked out dennis's line about the menage a trois because i thought it was a funny thing for a quote-unquote straight man character to say Uh but also i think at the end of the day dennis and polly have way better chemistry than polly and seth do so I I watched this movie, and I'm like, in another version of this movie, Seth is killed when he makes his cold run to the sheriff's car, and Dennis and Polly end up together.
0: Oh, I I just, I really do like Seth, though, like quite a bit. But it's interesting, because I think when you first see them, you think that we're going to fall into that... CBS sitcom trope of smoking mm-hmm. hot wife with a yes. kind of, like, schlubby husband.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. I literally <laughs> thought that. I was like, and he's a scientist, so it's basically the Big Bang Theory, a horror convenience store version. But
0: I I don't think they don't have chemistry. I, I do agree that she has more chemistry to Shea Wiggum, but that's also because he's the bad boy.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, when, when Seth and Polly are kind of getting hot and heavy against the vehicle here— They definitely both look into it. They're selling this romance. It's just that, yeah, when, you know, Shea Wiggum enters in, I don't know if it's that I think he's also just a better actor than Costanzo. Like, I've I've seen him... In 40 days and 40 nights and road trip. I've never seen Royal Pain, so I couldn't comment on his acting oh, there. My parents
0: worshipped at the altar of Royal Pains.
1: <laughs> yeah, that show. I love it. It's basically Hot Doctor fucks his way through, but not gross hot doctor like Nip Tuck. That's basically what that show was. Yes, exactly.
0: Although he was on upload season two. I think he was the um like the cult leader out in the woods. Okay. Yes, that sounds about right. But I actually know him best playing Alexander Cabot in the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Oh yes, okay. But like he doesn't have anything to do because Alexandra no. Missy Pyle is like the star of that movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why are you even here? Because I, was, I was in, in the, the comic
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! That girl's got a skunk on her head.
1: Uh, that was a side plug for josie and the pussycats a fucking amazing movie i covered it on my ya podcast if you want to hear me gush about it
0: it's so good but um but anyway i I like seth i don't think that consent is a bad actor but i mean again fine
1: when you're up
0: against shea wiggum with that particular character yes you're Mm -hmm. probably gonna pale in comparison just a little bit
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know what, you really nailed it when you said, oh, he's got that bad boy vibe to him, Mm -hmm. because Seth is kind of the... He's that boyfriend that you get when you realize you don't want bad boys anymore because he's safe. He's gonna agree to go along and do things even though he doesn't want to. And the worst, most offensive thing he's going to do is talk to you about trees.
0: Well, but and let's okay.
1: I I think another thing
0: contributing to this though is that Seth doesn't really have an arc in this movie, Mm -mm. whereas Dennis does. And the more we learn about Dennis, the more interesting he becomes as a Uh character. And yes, I mean you could maybe cool with the fact, like oh, like yeah, he's a convict. Oh, but he's a convict with a heart of gold Mm -hmm. but again it It could be cliche but it's not exactly and so seth doesn't have anything and granted neither really does polly but because she has that chemistry with dennis it kind of supersedes that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i i think maybe this is just a personal preference but i also find jill wagner is doing More like she's more interesting to watch, even though I realize as the film progresses, Polly is the one who actually gets the least to do like she doesn't get a murder moment. She doesn't make a run for the car like she honestly kind of fades into the background as the film progresses. And yet I think By virtue of Wagner's charisma, which Mm -hmm. I've mentioned now twice, I'm just going to keep saying it. I think she's a really dynamic performer, and she keeps the character in the center of the action, even though she's not getting to do much.
0: Well, and she's never a damsel in distress either. Like, that's Uh, I really, really appreciate that. But I I do agree. Yes, you walk out of this movie remembering uh, Wiggum and Wagner more than Mm -hmm. you do Costanzo, even though Costanzo arguably has more to do in this film than Wagner does. Yeah. Yeah. But... But yeah. uh, Yeah. So yes, I agree on all of that. It doesn't really hurt the movie for me, though.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. It was just something I noticed more on this rewatch. Right. And it's also, I think, surprising because it's not exactly what you would expect. Also, you think that we have a foursome because there's a fourth person in the mix, which is Lacey, (laughs) played by Rachel Curves. And I did not remember her packing it in quite so quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they ever really say... Is it crack or meth that she's on? It's I think something... they say meth. Okay, it's meth. Yeah, that may... Oh, yeah, because yeah, uh, I think uh, Dennis says he was on like a five-day high of meth when he mm-hmm. killed that person. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she's in this movie for a little bit. Um. And again, you honestly think that she's going to be the nicer of the two, which she kind of is. But again... Kind of. <laughs> once, yeah. Uh, she, well, she's also coming down... off. I can't even imagine, I mean, coming off of a meth high during... <laughs>
1: during this scenario (laughs) during this scenario yeah no thank you i mean it's bad enough when okay so basically what ends up happening is we learn very quickly that dennis and lacey are criminals who are on the run but their vehicle has broken down so they ditch it in the woods and then they pretend to be hitchhikers we do the old thing right where it's we'll let the girl go out and blag down a vehicle and then the guy comes out and the, the whole situation changes
0: oh yeah I, but, oh, <laughs> I love how they're like seth is gonna drive the car you're gonna get in the back seat and he's like i can't drive a stick
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there's this weird kind of emasculation vibe that's going on in especially the first act of this film where it's like oh seth typically he should be the one that has to save the day or be relied upon to be the hero. And instead, it keeps having to be Polly because she's the one who drives the car. It's her vehicle, so she knows where the spare tire is. She knows how to change it. He doesn't know any of this because, you know, ha ha he's a science guy well
0: then i guess i'll correct what i said earlier then i guess that is seth's arc, right like he is the emasculated nerdy man who has mm-hmm. to prove himself for being masculine which is maybe also why you and i are, are gravitating towards that art less because it's inherently less
1: interesting to us right yeah that's entirely possible i'd i'd be curious to know if we have like straight male listeners who watch this and we're kind of like oh yeah this is my trope this is the kind of thing that i see all the time in quote-unquote, conventional action films.
0: Yeah, and not that I think Seth is an incel by any means, but, like, the term incel <laughs> wow, didn't really... That end... took a hard turn. No, because the term incel wasn't really, like, a common no. uh, uh, vernacular back then. Mm-mm. But I feel like, like, the the, the, the arc... Not the arc, that but, like, the type of character Seth is would be more incel-y if it was being made
1: today. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe I'm off base there. <laughs> Insult adjacent, let's say. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Dennis and Lacey commandeer this vehicle and we are back on the road. They are looking to make a break to Mexico. It's what Dennis has promised Lacey. They just have to make a pit stop in a place called Platte, so that they can collect uh, some financials. And they're basically going to make these kids take them on a road trip. It's a little like Dust Till dawn
0: Oh, yeah. Yo, that's a really, really good comparison.
1: Uh, Except we never really get more people in this movie. It's pretty much just the four of them for the
0: entire time.
1: (laughs) This is true. And I love that almost immediately this vehicle breaks down because we have run over an animal, which is either the same one from the opening or maybe another infected one. But we get a flat almost immediately and we pull over to the side of the road and split into two different groups. So Lacey decides that she needs to check on the animal because (laughs) I mean, as you said, she's coming down off of a high. She's clearly not fully in control of her faculty she mistakes whatever this fucking thing was for i want to say it's her dead dog what I, do you think who's I, goldie
0: I, I i sure i guess that's what it is or honestly maybe it was her pet raccoon from back in the day on the farm mm-hmm. i don't know but nevertheless this is basically a flattened
1: carcass (laughs) yeah i said goldie it's not goldie it's ginger according to my notes but ginger the raccoon this thing is the definition of roadkill like you can't even identify what this is this is just the props took some blood and viscera and splashed it across pavement and this actress says like go into town with the water work she's so upset
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just holding this poor man at gunpoint. Like, you're a doctor! Fix it!
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is one of my nightmare scenarios, where you basically get caught with somebody who is not in their right mind, and they're just making demands of you, and you have no idea how they're going to react to anything that you do. I find that terrifying. I mean, are you in any type of scenario stopping to pick up a hitchhiker? Uh no but mostly mm-hmm. because it's i would say mostly because i've seen so many horror films yeah no i
0: mean look look <laughs> i get it you know there's a there's the thing where it's like you can be like oh, i want to be a good person and help someone out but the problem is especially in today's world um you don't know i mean self-preservation comes first unfortunately and so mm-hmm. it's like again what if something like this happens and then the person who you're picking up their partner comes out and puts a gun to your head
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's aggressive, right? Like the way that Dennis takes control of this car, he's got Polly laid out on the pavement at gunpoint. Mm -hmm. It's, it's overwhelming. And when we then, you know, have this sort of first of multiple car incidents, let's say, um, you know, Polly is left with this guy. And there's very much a uh, I, like, I'm going to suggest that these two actors have chemistry together, mm-hmm. but in this early scene, it's a vaguely threatening sexual chemistry, where you wonder, is Dennis going to try to do something to Polly? Oh, I'm really glad the movie does not go into that territory. because No, this movie does it doesn't. Not need it, it doesn't. <laughs> um, if anything, <laughs> you could argue that Seth is more vulnerable because Lacey is the one with the gun and she's a little more unhinged
0: a little bit, but again she's just she she means well but yeah she's mm-hmm. you know i don't really know exactly what happens in a meth come down but i I, no. I apparently it's not good
1: yeah in this case uh she definitely flips out when this creature begins to reconstitute and it kind of moves and she shoots it and then we're all back in the car unfortunately even though we have changed the spare tire the radiator goes almost immediately but we can cruise to a very convenient, very familiar-looking gas station trace,
0: and um, th- so this is when because uh, Dennis gets pricked on his thumb here because he yes. like gets too close to it. Um, mm-hmm. again, minor bit of CGI. It's whenever he pulls it out of his um thumb, out of his thumb. Oh. That that that's what CGI. And again, whenever CGI is used in this film, with the exception of two shots it's always to enhance the practical effects it's it's mixed in with the practical effects it's never just cgi and it's always like oh like we need another splinter or two in this massive practical splinters let's cgi some splinters in
1: oh interesting okay that's fascinating because i feel like if we gave this movie a bigger budget and made it today the entire creature would be cgi nonsense um Folks, if you want to hear us talk about a really, really bad example of that, stay tuned to the Patreon next month.
0: Um, also, three years after this, we get that pre-make of The Thing.
1: Right. Which, you know, that's that's a very distinctive example where we should have trusted the practical effects and instead we just super augmented them with cgi and it comes out like dog shit
0: yeah and i but i think i bring it up only because i think like the thing has a lot in common i'm sorry i think oh, this movie sure. has a lot in common with the thing mm-hmm. I, I think the thing pre-make is fine like it's basically a remake that's just you're told it takes place two weeks before the first movie but um right like again if you were disappointed by the cgi in that film i give you splinter
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. there you go yeah the lo-fi version yeah Okay, so we creep into this gas station, and Lacey immediately says she has to go to the bathroom. So she tries to go. She cannot open the door. And meanwhile, the others, you know, Dennis is definitely taking charge. He's like, okay, Polly, you and I, we're going to go in. We're going to get coolant for this radiator. Seth, you're going to stay in the car, but I'm taking the keys. And it seems like we're kind of in generic hostage crime film mode. And then Lacey manages to open the door, and we see what is left of Carl Jr., Ugh. and uh, he is looking more hamburger than human being at this point, and this is our first sort of glimpse of what it looks like when you go full splinter.
0: Oh, I was going to say, are we just going to keep calling it the creature? Let's just call it splinter. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love
1: lacy's reaction she runs out like
0: there's a man with spikes
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i feel like i wouldn't have the language to describe what i had just seen because this is so weird and unique right and of course because it's the character who's coming down yeah everybody just disbelieves her
0: yeah which fair i mean i I mean you would when talking about horror movie characters that make bad decisions i actually think that i mean again y'all can maybe argue but um I think that everyone here does the be- makes the best decisions they possibly can in this ridiculous situation.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one point where two of the characters try to do something and the other one stops them. <laughs> and it's like, no, we're not doing that because we're in a gas station. We don't need to play with fire right now. But we never get the whole like, don't you watch horror
0: movies? Don't do that. And then, no, mm-hmm. this this is not that kind of movie. <laughs>
1: right yeah they're not making stupid decisions so that the movie can then move forward in that capacity
0: and then also not calling out the fact that you know horror movie characters make bad decisions so they shouldn't make them either it's
1: not a meta movie no not meta at all thank god (laughs) (laughs) i could see a version of this but i also don't want that
0: no no this to me feels i mean again despite the fact that it's 2008 it feels very old school um with its approach to this
1: Hmm. i mean you compared this to the thing and i yeah. think you could easily look at this this movie does have a bit of a 90s flair to me which is maybe mm-hmm. the other reason why i thought i saw it in the early 2000s but like this does yeah you're right have that old school kind of vibe to it yeah so uh we neglected to mention that splinter or splinter in his current form in the bathroom is still alive so he begs Lacey to kill him she comes and says you know like hey I saw this thing and it's almost immediate right like she is just killed by this thing when it barrels out of the bathroom right in front of everyone yeah yeah (laughs) it happens so quickly like yeah once again we've got the shaky cam we've got the very fast-paced editing but it's like Lacey is down and bleeding and the movie kicks into high gear
0: yeah Uh, It does not. I mean, we
1: we have an hour left. So, yeah, we got to go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they end up locking themselves in the gas station and we get this kind of beat where everybody gets to collect their breasts. But also we're, we're still looking at Lacey's body because she is what four or five feet away over at the gas pumps and it's like this is the rest of the movie folks we're going to spend it in this very tight constrained area we're going to find new places to discover and hide but for the most part it's like this is now the movie just inside this gas station
0: and i think too this is the only real time in the movie where we are one step ahead of the characters because we have seen the opening prologue to this Mm -hmm. film so much of the next like five minutes of the screen time is spent with dennis being like she's alive she's alive even though she's clearly dead and the Mm -hmm. thing is just moving for her
1: (laughs) yeah and i do love that polly immediately clocks that like he's we neglected to mention that uh, dennis does shoot splinter so the gas station attendant is now sprawled over the hood of their car Ugh. but um yeah dennis goes to look at the security cam footage which will also come into play later in the film and he sees that one of Lacey's arms is moving and it i love the herky jerkiness of it because it uh-huh. looks like she's being marionetted right which is exactly what this creature is doing but you know dennis is grief stricken this is the woman that he loves and just because he's a villain doesn't mean that he didn't have affection for her so he wants to go out and polly's just like dude look at her she is Dead.
0: well and honestly it's the information we learn about dennis as the film goes on you know mm-hmm. i mean like I, i'm jumping ahead here obviously but it's like they were both on meth together he got clean she did not he murdered someone he's gonna go to mexico and get her clean but after they give money to these people that he killed and blah blah, mm-hmm. blah and it's like they have been through so much and i can't even imagine to being like that close to freedom right and then having this happen to you
1: you know yeah, I mean, they had a plan and maybe one of the things he thought would happen was that, yeah, he would have to take someone hostage because their car breaks down or like, you know, you might have to do something, quote unquote, bad. I don't think he thought that he was going to be in a gas station standoff with some kind of otherworldly creature.
0: Or have Lacey die, period. I don't think that was even in his, 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 his right. bingo bucket list at all for that year.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she is in fact dead. But yeah, he wants to check on her. He wants to bring the body inside. So we get this great tension filled moment, because as you said, we as an audience 100% know what's going on. Like, Mm. there's no suspect that she is still alive. We know that he's about to get. Well, we're already pretty sure he's been infected based on the finger prick, but he's proposing to bring an infected thing into their sanctuary into their safe space but i love how just generous with the time we are with this sequence right where he's crouched down we're having debates about whether or not to lock the door how many bullets does he have but we're holding on him as he's like inching towards her and making to grab her arm and you're just like you're waiting for the shoe to drop (laughs)
0: And that's what I mean, like, I I don't think this is a particularly scary movie, but it's
1: very effectively tense.
0: It's tense. But also, yeah. but it's also very fun. Like, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a perfect balance between those two things
1: yeah like i was watching this by myself and i definitely wish that i had a gaggle of gays and a bunch of booze so that we can just you know like like this is a great movie i think even for the horror squeamish because it's just the right amount of scare slash tenseness that you're gonna get somebody who goes like no i can't watch ah well, and that's the thing, right? Like, I wasn't, like, covering my eyes during this movie,
0: but so th- I went, oh, several mm-hmm. times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really the gore. It's more so, like, it, it is body-related things, but it's not, like, blood and gut. It's mm-hmm. um bone snapping and hyperextension. Ooh. Yeah, I
1: do love the bone
0: stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: okay so uh we do end up sort of starting to grab her but then i think dennis very quickly realizes that whatever has happened to lacy he is not safe so he tries to make a break to get back inside but one of her this sort of animated hand latches onto him they pull him inside and they sever the arm in the door
0: oh i love that i uh so many limbs of this of splinter just flying off in this movie
1: (laughs) yeah and this hand is fully thinking about like it is moving it is reacting to them mm-hmm. and i think that the hands like the hands in the arms look really good
0: oh yeah um i mean the, the, the hand we get that kind of like takes up the third act of this film is completely puppeteered um it's mm-hmm. all being pulled on strings and again oh That's the, the shaky cam works because we are getting pretty long shots of this hand moving across the floor, Mm -hmm. but we're shaking the camera to kind of hide the natural like pulling motion of it with the strings of the puppeteer. So again, in those scenarios, I'm like,
1: I can see what's happening. It's fine. Hmm. Yeah, I'm so invested in it, like I'm fully into the film. So I'm not even thinking about it. Like no. I'm not concerned with how they're doing it, because I think it looks solid enough that I'm not taken out of the film, like noticing strings, noticing bad CGI. I'm just in it with the characters. 100%. So yeah, we, we realize that this thing is moving, it's reacting to them. So we're not safe. Uh, and that's before Lacey gets up and begins throwing herself Ugh. at the door repeatedly. This is violent and rough. And it goes on. I I thought, okay, she's going to do it for a couple of moments and then we're going to retreat to the back of the store and it'll be over. This goes on for I want to say 2 minutes.
0: It's a while. Um also, I think by this point the actress playing Lacey is out of the film, so this is when our gymnast is stepping in with the practical effects, makeup okay. with Lacey's face on him
1: hmm. Yeah, I feel like you can see it because the body is definitely getting more mutilated every time she headbutts this glass door. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a misdirect thing where I'm watching the blood splatter on the window, like on the glass. Yeah. because it's just getting bigger. But you can see that the face is getting increasingly mutilated. And yeah, like, it's not that actress anymore.
0: Yeah. But it's fine because she it, doesn't doesn't no. yeah, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't it, matter. It, it's not uncanny because she doesn't look like a human, but it's a thing where she's like this mold of a creature that has a semblance of her face on it. But it's not. Her. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, another cue that Dennis is not the hard-boiled criminal that we expect, he's actually tearing up like he is visibly emotionally distraught by seeing his now dead ex reanimated in this way. He doesn't even move until Seth pulls him into this back supply room. And then we notice, okay, there's a door. So let's get through this door. Let's get to safety. Let's make a break for it. Only problem is, Trace, it's locked.
0: Yeah, so there is only one way. It's so, so they found this gas station and it was, it was, it was a concrete block that they found because they wanted something <laughs> in the middle of nowhere that was actually surrounded by, by forest. So this is a sure. actual like concrete block of a place in Oklahoma City. And a good chunk of the budget while going to practical effects was also completely remodeling this concrete block of a building to make mm. a, make it all glass on the front so you can like have that perfect view of the outside. Um, but yeah, um, they're just locked inside. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. they have to, that it can't go anywhere. And this is when we start to learn a little bit about the creature too, because this is when Seth's expertise comes in, and he's like, "Oh, it's metabolizing the blood. The black goo is its waste." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that's yeah,
1: ew, gross." <laughs> <laughs> and yet, highly efficient, right? Like, as I as I joked earlier, it's not like we're putting this thing under a microscope. And it's important though that we still understand a little bit of its physiology, because we have to understand. A, how we're going to fight it, and B, how it works. So, like, what does the infection do? That kind of stuff. But I like that, you know, yeah, we just say Seth knows biology, and he's able to make some relatively simple deductions. Like, he doesn't get it entirely right. It's not like he's an expert on this monster simply by observing it for 30 seconds. Right. he, He comes to rational decisions that are informed by visual evidence, and then they act accordingly until they learn otherwise. Yep which I appreciate.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Although I would love to see a movie like this though where like there's not a scientist and mm-hmm. they were just because ma- again what what we learn about the creature informs the decisions the characters will make as the film goes on. True what i would love to see in a movie like this is someone like 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 the group they're like oh this is what it does and they're totally fucking wrong
1: (laughs) oh no we just lost aj oh (laughs) sorry aj (laughs) and they just make a decision that gets like half
0: of their team killed
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think i've said it a couple times but i always go back to it follows the end where they're like we think it's gonna do this and you're just like why did you think that you had no proof of it and you're just like oh it's because the characters are dumb they were trying to do the best they could but they had no idea what they were up against
0: that's actually an excellent example and i'm so glad you brought it up and i don't mind that but Mm -hmm. as we we discussed in that episode in that film yes some people had a big issue with that being the climax of the film yeah when again the answer is well they're just stupid kids (laughs) like they're not doctors or scientists
1: yeah and the reality is is you know in in every group there is not a scientist or uh like a medical practitioner Horror films love to give us, you know, oh, well, there will be a cop in there. Somebody will have a gun. Somebody's going to be a nurse or something like this. Not always. Like when I'm out (laughs) with my friends, I'm not looking around and realizing, oh, well, if a zombie apocalypse happened right now, we'd be okay. It's like, no, I got a bunch of office worker friends and we're fucked.
0: It's just screenplay 101 because movies love to give exposition because audiences don't like to be left in the dark about certain aspects of the plot, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to something that is supernatural or otherworldly. And, well, I think this movie gives us a a decent balance of the two, where we learn Mm -hmm. some things, but not everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, And what we learn is the kind of thing where if we didn't have a Seth, it would be harder to get around, but it's not so much that it feels like an exposition dump. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we go looking for the keys. We can't find them. So that means that they're probably on the dude who's hanging out on the hood (laughs) of the car outside. It's not safe there. So Dennis, ever the practical criminal, says, let's pop the hinges off this door. So we use a screwdriver. That's Seth and Polly doing all the work here. And we open it up. Lo and behold, there's another door that they can't get through. (laughs) A set of bars on the door. And I want to be like, I mean, I guess I get it because you want to protect
0: yourself from theft and whatever. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. But this is the middle. of Maybe that's why they're in
1: the middle of nowhere. (laughs) It's the middle of nowhere. It's also the middle of the night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically for now, we are effect but the good thing is is that someone has arrived trace so we introduce the only other character that will appear in this film sheriff frankel who is played by laurel Witset and She is there because she knows that Dennis is in there and she thinks that this is a hostage situation, which technically she is right. (laughs) But also they're just like, get in your fucking car. You're not safe. And she's like, it's okay, civilians. It's it's, I actually love
0: the way this is shot, because every Mm -hmm. time. We're always seeing it from the, the people who are listening's side of the glass. Right. So when we're on when, – when they're talking, we're on we're out there with the cops. So we're, we're kind of hearing their muffled versions. It's like but we can hear what they're saying and we know what they're saying because we know mm-hmm. what they're going through. But yep. also like I think it does a good job of, of not making this cop seem So incredibly incompetent.
1: Yeah, like she sees a bunch of frantic people who are kind of yelling over top of each other and she's like, don't worry, I'm here, I'm going to take control of the situation. No, I'm not going to get in my car because you're in there with a convicted criminal. Like, I'm here to protect you. That's my job. And they meanwhile are like no we're actually fine there's something far worse outside and you're not listening to us right now the
0: convict is fine we promise please go to your car
1: (laughs) right which I i love this scenario because what authority figure what you know member of the police force would say oh sure yeah i'll get in my car while you're still in there like no this is exactly how it would play out it's just that we are in a creature feature yep a hundred percent. So, again, <laughs> I, I buy
0: all of this. This is it's just like the Murphy's Law worst case scenario of what could be happening right now. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, in a horror movie, whenever a cop shows up, I mean, yeah, they're they're either a bad
1: guy or they're not long for this world. Right. Or they're the the central protagonist or something. Yeah. Sheriff <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frankel is none of those things. So this is very similar to what happened to Lacey, where. The violence is so abrupt and fast. Like, one minute, Sheriff Frankel is there. The next, she's dangling in the air. We're seeing blood coming down. And then this motherfucker gets ripped in half.
0: Yes. And this is the only use of green screen in the movie when we are ripping this body in half, by the way. Yeah. This, uh, (laughs) I think the close-up shots of her waist splitting Mm -hmm. are fantastic. Yep. My favorite part again—it's just a little comedy that's put in here, but it's Seth's reaction, just going, "It uh, it took half of her."
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I love you know we've said this movie isn't have we said it? I don't know. I would say that this film isn't like egregiously showy in its kind of directorial flourishes, Mm -hmm. but I do love the decision to just like, we're going to crane the camera up, we're going to follow this blood pattern, and we're going to go up onto the roof to see what's happening as the body kind of reconstitutes itself together with something yeah. else
0: so yeah of course fun like a regular trick of horror uh, or film in general we are shooting this in reverse which is why, mm-hmm. why it looks so cool when it's coming back together and again a little bit of cgi where we're adding cgi splinters like in spots but again okay. we still have practical splinters they're just adding things to like fill gaps basically
1: Hmm yeah i mean this is also being shot in the dark so like there's a a certain amount of you know you can't see because you're peering at the screen but overall this looks great i love it when things are shot in reverse like this because i don't know it just it always gets me it works for me so well it's because it reminds you of hellraiser maybe (laughs) i'm not that predictable (laughs) yes that's exactly it okay so we do get a quick kind of update for our benefit about how dennis's finger is looking and it's now not just the tip it's the whole digit oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: um but doesn't his thumb bend backwards at this point
1: uh i think we we still have a little bit further to go but yeah he's he's definitely infected he's definitely looking worse he's doing that thing where he doesn't tell anybody what's happening that's fine for now yeah We get a little bit of clever dialogue foreshadowing where he calls Polly a firecracker because she (laughs) says that she wants to run. And to which she replies, I'm nothing like your white trash drugged out
0: girlfriend. And then he just goes, yep, firecracker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, well, you're proving my point. (laughs) (laughs) This is really where the banter is starting to come in between these two characters. Seth is in kind of scientist investigation mode and these two are just kind of like... (gasps) i made a joke that there's another version of this film where the two of them end up together there's a whole other subgenre of film where this is a romantic comedy and these two are just like they're bickering because they're perfect
0: okay no my, my actual my favorite dialogue exchange is actually between polly and seth and she's like seth we don't know shit seth we know it attacks you and you die and then he goes off on this like minute-long monologue about like science and fungus mm-hmm. and mold and bullshit and she's like so you're saying it attacks you and you die <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you Wagner is selling all of these lines. That's why she's so great. It's so good. But again, like th- there's never like a conflict driven between them that's like, oh, like they're like breaking up or something. It's just like, it's mm-hmm. normal humans interacting and reacting to a shitty scenario.
1: For sure. And they're not being shitty to each other. Yes, yes. There's no pettiness in this film, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And also, like, we will never see Dennis actively working against them, except for him not revealing that he's been infected. But he's not, you know, bossing them around. He's not being that kind of like shitty crime character who doesn't trust them, doesn't want to believe them. Like, all of that was left behind the minute the creature attacked.
0: And here's the thing, too. With him not telling me, like, that's a st- standard zombie movie trope, right? Mm-hmm. It bothers me more in zombie movies because most people in zombie films, especially modern ones, know what a fucking zombie is. And it's like, dude, like, what the fuck? With this, A, it doesn't lead into him infecting someone else by accident. So there's Mm -hmm. immediate forgiving right there. But also, I do believe it's like, we don't know for sure 100% what this does. And so I think he's still in denial, which makes Mm -hmm. sense. I buy denial less in a zombie film.
1: Yeah, like he knows that something is wrong, but he isn't exhibiting any kind of unusual behavior, right? Like he hasn't changed as a person. He's not acting like Lacey did. So I think he's just kind of, all right, well, we will revisit the situation accordingly as time goes on.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So uh, Seth, ever the rational, says, well, okay. so the sheriff is dead. But now that she's come, someone else will come and this is kind of the only plot point that i don't think entirely gels in this movie dennis assures him that they're looking in the wrong place for him because they're going to be looking north whereas they're headed south and i'm like yeah but they also know exactly where this sheriff went to like they would be able to track her hypothetically well could they i don't know like it it was a a note that kind of briefly yeah. rang false to me, but then the movie moves by it, and there's interesting things happening. I don't think it's anything more than a hiccup, but yeah. I was just like, that doesn't seem entirely right.
0: Well, because she she calls it in on her the cop calls it in her walkie talkie, mm-hmm. but they keep saying though like like we're assuming that someone on the other end heard her call it in because no right. one replied to her. Yeah. But, yeah, I, do they have, like, trackers on cup cars in 2008, maybe? I don't know. I don't maybe. know. I mean, maybe Oklahoma didn't have that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Budget cuts. It was a rough time. Uh,
0: but, no, yeah, I, I, I feel you there. Uh, I, I could – you could also argue – well, he's saying that. But you could also argue that the, the, the time span of the film is so short mm-hmm. that, and they're so far in the middle of nowhere that there right. wasn't there wasn't enough time for cops to get there by this point. I don't know. Sure, sure,
1: sharp. I, Either that or they're like, uh, we don't know how much longer we're going to be able to survive in this fucking place. We can't afford to wait, even if they are on their way. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, valid point. (laughs) So Polly and Dennis's strategy is that they are going to basically start a fire using lighter fluid because they've got a bunch of it in this convenience store. That is one of the other fun things about this movie is that uh, it's one of those like magical locations where various items that you would need to fight to survive and so on they're at your fingertips and this movie does a good job of saying like yeah we've got lighter fluid we've got coat hangers we've got keys we've got food and all this other stuff like i think it's a really smart location to set a horror film in
0: I agree, but also I'm just kind of like, okay, y'all are set for a while. You have plenty of food. There's drinks in there. You've got a shitter. Oh, wait, no, the shitter's outside. So you're going to mm-hmm. be pooping inside. <laughs> yeah,
1: poop in oh, a bucket. The you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> just go into the freezer. That could be your toilet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we need a little bit more urgency of like this thing is going to bust in and we can't afford to stay here because we don't have that. Right. But I, I guess I do understand the urgency of feeling like, we're so isolated we don't know when someone could hypothetically come by we need to get out of here ourselves
0: well and I think too because I mean again like yeah they're they're locked in safe for the moment but I mean, right. they keep, I mean we keep seeing Lacey bash her body against that thing it's climbing mm-hmm. up on the roof like they don't know for a fact this place is 100% secure
1: right do you think this would work a smidge better if we started to see the glass cracking as Lacey was beating
0: <gasps> ooh Oh, yes, and cuz you could do that the car windshield effect where you you smash a windshield but it doesn't shatter but like mm-hmm. it, like it like cracks the Spider whole winds. fucking thing. yeah yes all that shit. Um ooh yeah, that'd be kind of cool.
1: Okay. I mean again, budget cuz yeah, yeah. <laughs> a pane of glass is not cheap to replace if you need to shoot this a couple times.
0: Yeah, minor quibble, not a big issue. But I I, okay, I mean it goes back to um oh my god, what is it? Uh, The Lost World Jurassic Park, right? With the trailer scene. <laughs> right. Yes.
1: Not where I thought you were going with this, but mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: Uh, uh, uh i i still know what you did last summer brandy on the greenhouse
1: roof there we are. you know what i like it better <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah molly and dennis want to basically start a fire and <laughs> Sessa's no no look at where we're <laughs> look where we are
0: i'm sorry forest critters um i will start forest fires to escape across splinter monster in a gas station
1: I don't even think that he cared that much about that. He just didn't like the idea of the fire coming back to them, which to me is immediately where my mind went. I guess so. But, you know, (laughs) go in the freezer. I
0: I think the freezer will freeze any fire that makes its (laughs) way in.
1: Folks, if you are ever in a survival situation and uh, Dr. Trace is your scientist, you're all going to fucking die.
0: Yeah, no, I I am 100% the kids from It Follows.
1: okay so uh seth proposes an alternative which is that they use a variety of wire hangers and duct tape uh fashioned into a kind of hook so that they can grab said walkie-talkie and that doesn't require them to open a door or start a fire so this is what they do this is where Dennis's thumb breaks itself and it is fucking good it is real good and this is when he decides to. oh wait no because he's like oh i just
0: cut myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. he just wraps it in a (laughs) t-shirt this is fine what is that that meme of that dog surrounded by a house of fire he's like this is fine this is fine
1: (laughs) it's just my thumb how often do i use a thumb
0: (laughs) i just lost my girlfriend a thumb's no big deal this is so true
1: yeah 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 so um i do love this jump scare when the sheriff's hand snakes in under this kind of plexiglass like i'm assuming this is like if people wanted to walk by and pay for something but you didn't want to open up you would use this kind of tray
0: yeah so in in my days of smoking cigarettes um frequently um after hours or at least like once it gets dark a lot of gas stations will like close down okay but you can buy cigarettes through that little through that window and they it's it's almost like a
1: bank teller place but it's for cigarettes That's hilarious because I've definitely seen the gas station across from my house do that. And I never really understood because I'll just see a a weird lineup of like four or five people in the middle of the night sometimes. Oh, yeah. They're getting cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So lo and behold, this arm snakes in this tray and they end up hacking it off with a pipe. Polly does. And now all of a sudden we've got this arm on the floor coming after them. I love these kind of suspense set pieces because they're using the wire hanger to get the cops
0: walkie talkie. It's almost there. But then, of Mm -hmm. course, the very it's like, you know, it's coming. You know, it's going to
1: happen. But it's Uh so
0: effective. Who cares if I predicted it?
1: Well, ironically enough, I'll confess I didn't predict it. I thought that we were going to rip the cord Mm. on the walkie talkie because it is stretched so taunt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you knew it wasn't going to
1: work one way or another. (laughs) (laughs) I like the plan, but it seemed logistically it was going to have some flaws. Yeah. Well, then where it goes is actually much better than the cord ripping because, yeah, now we have one of these things in there with them. Mm hmm. So they realize that Dennis has kind of disappeared and this thing is attacking them. They have to use a kind of dryer rack to prevent it from getting to them. I love this. this is when we realize Dennis has disappeared into the freezer. So that's where we go next.
0: Yes. But I mean, honestly, these shots, I mean, again, they're they're these shaky cam shots, but it's just Seth holding up this great thing as this Mm -hmm. thing is like, and it's also immediately dangerous because it's a great. So this thing can still stick him. So while Uh we're having this whole issue of like trying to escape Splinter, we still have the conscious idea of like, oh, shit, like we can't touch this thing. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really good and they don't know that like they know that it's feasting on flesh but they don't know how easy like how transmittable the splinters are Mm -hmm. so they should actually be more worried than they are. They think that they just have to keep it away and they're doing just fine but lo and behold they get into the freezer and they're okay and this is where we get a little bit more information that it seems to be able to track them but it's not thinking it's just instinctual yes which we will learn more about soon uh-huh. so uh this is when we realize that dennis is definitely infected because his arm breaks at this point <laughs> the snapping mhm
0: good sound design in this film by the way uh this is i mean like we get a full shot of this it is just this yeah. arm bending backwards and i think I think stuff like this is much more, like, viscerally upsetting to me than any kind of, like, disembowelment.
1: Mm. Hmm. That's interesting. (laughs) Part of me is, like let's do a poll let's see what people think but yeah like this reminds me of the cave sequence from old which was one of my favorite deaths of the year mm. yeah i find bones breaking very disturbing but particularly when it is this kind of like herky-jerky and then the foley work is great like the sequence is so effective for me
0: i think it's because having an, an arm bend too far backwards a hyper mm-hmm. extension is infinitely more relatable and possible to the right. average human than being you know gutted <laughs> mm, right yeah that is fair oh uh, and it's just like blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> this is fantastic i love all of this and it looks really good
1: yeah and and particularly when yeah i said that we're in a convenience store so we've got a lot of amenities at our disposal but you know when he realizes the arm needs to come off we don't have an axe we don't have a a giant serrated blade like a kitchen knife or something so he passes out from the pain of this broken arm and they go to town with an exacto knife i (laughs) It is like the ruins level of whole yes! oh, barf.
0: Yes, and here and it's not quite as graphic as the ruins, but honestly, I'm so, again, you're really on point with your comparisons tonight. Um, also, this would have been the same year as the ruins. Actually, it would have been like four Ooh, months later. Body horror for the win in 2008. But we get a close up shot of this knife going into his arm flesh, and mm-hmm. as if that wasn't bad enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, this is when Polly's like, "It's okay, it's okay. We're cutting off your arm." Yeah, but they then have to like put his arm over like a metal bar and then Uh use a
1: concrete block but here's the thing i i would say this movie isn't particularly funny like there's a couple of lines of dialogue which you have mentioned that are pretty amusing yes this visual image of them being like i can't get through the bone snap cut to them like hoisting this giant concrete block over his arm (laughs) <laughs> well,
0: and it's, yeah, I, I, it's not funny. It, it, even her saying like it's okay, it's okay. We're cutting, we're cutting your arm off. Like it's. I think all of them are in shock. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: even though it like sounds silly, like when you hear it, it's also kind of like, but this is fucked up. Oh. And I don't even know what I would be doing at this point in time.
1: And they are reacting so quickly. Like they're actually managing to really keep their their cool, their calm, their collection over mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah, but we're moving. At the speed of light with all of these decision makings, you know, oh, the arm is broken, the arm has to come off, we're cutting, we're concrete slabbing.
0: Yeah. Oh, I will say though he has a lot of luck with that concrete block because he
1: just brings it down once and that mm-hmm. arm just falls right off. <laughs> it's the ultimate one and done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the fact that Dennis ever recovers from this, like the fact that Dennis can be a productive member of this film for the rest of the runtime is it's maybe the biggest logic jump of the well, film.
0: <laughs> and, and, and smartly too, we this is when we get a bit of a breather from all the action because mm-hmm. we get more character development
1: here yeah. and
0: Even something as silly as like, you know, when Dennis is like, oh, you fuck if you can't chop an arm off. And then Chipotle's like, yeah, he's
1: a keeper. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, we're drinking. We're sitting around. This is where Dennis's backstory comes out. And I think this is the other reason that it feels like Dennis is a bit more memorable than someone like Seth Mm -hmm. is that. His backstory gets dumped in this kind of pivotal scene, but it's happening so late in the film that it feels more memorable.
0: Well, and the the film isn't, I mean, because look, this is still a convict. He's still, I don't even want to say he's a bad man because he he made a very bad mistake while on a five day meth high accidentally killing a guy. But the guy died, what, a year after he shot him?
1: Yeah, he was in, I think he says he was in a coma, and then he passed in the hospital like a year later. Yeah, and
0: so again, like, while while going to escape Mexico, the money they are going to get is for him to send the wife of the man mm-hmm. that he murdered by accident. And yeah, so again, it's like he's, he's a bad man in the sense that he did bad things, right? But he's not a bad person, if that makes any kind of sense.
1: Yeah, which I like as a kind of inversion of where you think this character is going to go when he's first introduced, because, mm-hmm. you know, he definitely seems unhinged, like these are kind of, I don't want to say like body and Clyde, but they're more like a Mickey and Mallory from uh, Natural yeah. Born Killers, where you just think, oh, these two are going to be bad news, they're going to be really awful to this quaint americana couple and it's not that like dennis is far more complicated he's far more interesting and i think the film is better for throwing it back in our faces about oh this dude must be bad white trash trouble and instead well, it's like no as you said he he did some bad things but he's not a bad person
0: i wonder if the intent though because i i do wonder if in another film because i you would think that this character might be the first one to die so right. I wonder if that was the intent when writing this script or planning this movie. I mean, if you didn't know Shea Wiggum at all, which some people don't, uh-huh. uh, if you might watch start watching this and be like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to get killed immediately. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only reason we would think otherwise now is because we've seen him in so many things, although he's still a character actor. And yeah. sometimes we cast those people so we can kill them. I mean, you and I just said we can't figure out
0: what we know him from because he just he's just plays like this guy in the background for so yeah. many movies. Exactly. And then of course heck God, Polly gets so many good lines. Isn't he just the strangest one armed convict you've
1: ever met? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so we do have a bit of a like a bit of a hard turn narratively because we're having all this great character work. It feels like the group is really bonding. And then Seth just immediately goes I think temperature has something to do with it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So th- this, this is our big final like push into the climax of this film.
1: Yeah, for sure. So we realize that Splinter is attracted to heat. The hotter the things, the more likely it is to attack. So what we have to do is cool Seth's body down enough that he is actually colder than the outside temperature. That will allow him to sneak by and he can get into the sheriff's vehicle. Hypothetically, either radio for help or potentially get them into a position where they can rush out and drive away
0: Mm -hmm. so his brilliant plan
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. so we're going to use fireworks as a distraction because they do give off heat and seth is going to lower his body temperature using bags of ice
0: and yep that that is honestly honestly it's kind of on par with the it follows plan (laughs) Yeah, like
1: it's a bit stupid. It sort of makes sense. Like rationally, if you didn't have all the information and you were just kind of eyeballing it, this sort of makes sense, except for the fact that you nearly have to kill Seth and then ask him to go and do a bunch of things. Oh god, I know. This like
0: <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'm not I'm not a scientist. I don't know really how well he'd be able to move at mm-hmm. what 93 degrees internal Oof. body temperature. Yeah. But who,
1: oh boy, um, it does not look fun. Well, the movie gets a lot of tense mileage out of this because you just want him to move faster and he is basically doing a zombie shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say the moment that got me the most is when he finally gets to the fucking car and he leans in and he doesn't shut the door because uh. he looks to check if he can use the radio or if he can use the the keys of which there are none and i was just like at least shut the fucking door so you're protected because the whole time of course this temperature is rising yes and this so this is the one
0: really bad cga shot in the movie when this thing jumps out of the bushes and starts ramming the car it is mm-hmm. less than a second of a shot but it is just a purely cga blob that jumps
1: out of these bushes <laughs> yeah he's attacked by a giant pixel <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly what it is <laughs> So we realize, okay, we've lost sight of the creature until it actually attacks him and then it disappears again. So we've got to somehow lure it away so that uh, Seth can get back in or we can revise the plan. So all that to say... This creature more or less attacks Dennis and gets its way into the store. So now we're totally, completely fucked.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, so we have lost all safety. Um, Mm -hmm. Being locked in this box is now uh, a safety hazard. Okay, I'm saying safety too much. But uh, yeah, so (laughs) the movie's about to end is is what we're getting at. (laughs)
1: Yeah, because Polly and Dennis are locked in the freezer. Thankfully, there was a shotgun in the sheriff's cruiser. So Seth manages to get that out. And um, unfortunately, one of the firecrackers has lit the gas station on fire, <laughs> as predicted. <laughs> Murphy's Chekhov's Law. gas station on fire. <laughs> but we we get some really great kind of action propulsive moments where Seth is... Really, going to town on this creature with this shotgun. Polly has Dennis's gun, so we're kind of attacking it on two different fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is all again, like you know, the editing is kind of going, so it's sometimes a little hard to understand where everybody is and what's happening, but it's exciting, and we know that there's still a big sense of danger.
0: It's you know. I will say it doesn't bother me again, but it's a thing where it's mm-hmm. like in a scene like this, which is by nature very frantic. I don't always mind this the shaky camera. If only because, though, I can see 90% of what's going on on the screen. Sure.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, like we we may lack some of the nuance in terms of like the geography and where exactly they're shooting it like i never really get a good sense of did they hit it in a shoulder or a head i mean right. this creature is so misshapen at this point that it looks like a blob of about four <laughs> different people at this point <laughs> like, have you ever seen the water boy with adam sandler <laughs> oh god many years okay.
0: ago <laughs> there's a whole part where they're eating a snake uh and you know kathy bates is, like serving the snake and henry winkler's like what part of the snake is this? And she's like, well, a snake don't really have no pots, but if I had to guess, I'd say it's his knee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Uh, There is an amusing moment where uh, Seth manages to shoot the hand into the fire. Oh,
0: yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: It's amusing, for sure. So... The three of them end up escaping outside, but by this point, Dennis has kind of been doubly infected because, in order to get into the convenience store portion of this gas station, the thing essentially bit him on the shoulder. Like he's he's very badly infected with splinters yeah, on one he's, side. He, he's fucked. Like he's, he's not, fucked You 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 can't like chop off a torso. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think he he has a joke like, "What are we going to chop off now?" or something like. Yeah. That. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, all of these,
0: everything these people are saying just feel very real to me. Like, right. Very little of this feels like movie manufactured dialogue
1: yeah like there there's still quips to it but Mm -hmm. it's not the i'm about to die and i'm making a joke it's resigned action movie yeah dialogue
0: it's just again like if if you're not along for the ride by this point sure this isn't gonna work for you but like turn it off you've got three
1: minutes left what the fuck are (laughs) you doing So Dennis decides he's going to play the martyr. He's going to hang out and deal with it while they, you know, more or less take a hike. So he shoots the diesel tank. Someone on IMDb helpfully said that diesel only combusts when it's in gas form and this wouldn't do anything. So fuck you. You must be fun at parties. Fuck. I I didn't know that. So uh, I learned something new today. That's my one thing. I mean, don't trust an IMDb poster. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. I'm just going to go start shooting diesel tanks. Like, look, y'all, it's fine. (laughs) IMDb said it would be okay. What do you mean I killed a bunch of people? (laughs) With all my guns that I own. This is true. You are an American. (laughs) So anyway. In this movie, this diesel tank does explode, and we do end up lighting Splinter on fire. And Polly and Seth return because Dennis has also been blown to the ground. He gives them the dog tags with the bank code so that they can go and deliver the money. And then they limp off, and he blows himself and the gas station, and presumably the creature up uh presumably yeah sure <laughs> presumably this is a quintessential end of a horror film i kind of loved it they basically stumble off down a long dirt path as the sun is kind of rising <laughs> in front of them on the yeah. horizon. And of course, we get one final image of it's either the same creature that they ran over or more likely the creature from the beginning of the film. But uh, them splinters are still growing.
0: Interesting. I actually took it to me, it's just another part of the creature because clearly this thing spread. So I just figured mm-hmm. it was like, oh, there's more of these things in the forest somewhere. Right.
1: Yeah, the result is still the same. Yeah, yeah. Sequel setup. <laughs> so what you're saying is, we get infected and then we die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I do like that Polly and Seth at least get to walk away um, sure. into, into happiness because, again, I like them as characters. I like Dennis, but, you know, th- there wasn't really a world in which he was getting out of this movie alive.
1: Unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: un- unless unless hmm. we had the, those couple problems with Seth and Polly and then Polly just ditches Seth for Dennis.
1: <laughs> Babe, I know it's our anniversary, but we've just been through some shit. And frankly, this guy's better for me. So I'm going to go with the bad boy. I've always wanted <laughs> to go to Mexico. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly he's loaded. He's got a bunch of money in the bank.
0: Oh uh, yeah. But that that is Splinter everybody. Um still really really good for me. This is a 4 out of 5. Um despite it's minimal shortcomings for me. I get why people mm-hmm. wouldn't like it because of the shaky cam stuff, but this is just exactly what I want out of a creature feature.
1: Yeah, no. A uh, hard degree. I mean, the practical effects are great. You can see them most of the time. The editing feels a little bit antiquated. As I said, mm-hmm. it gives off that kind of music video vibe to me. But this is very clearly a low budget indie film. I I don't know how much more we could ask from a film with this production budget that's giving us an original creature design. Like, I just think you need to be a little bit generous. And if you are, this movie delivers with the characters, with the action, with the unconventional plotting.
0: Well, also thinking 2008. So this is this is coming out about nine months after Cloverfield came out. And mm-hmm. we know that movie had a lot of complaints about the shaky cam, but it's found footage. So the the, the the subgenre lends itself to that format. But right. I wonder if this is also just around this time where we were and what Paranormal Activity comes out the same month as this as well. So it's like
1: uh,
0: if it, people are just more. It was in the air. Yeah, it was was in the air. It was like diesel
1: gas. It was in the air. Oh,
0: God. (laughs) But yeah, let let, let us know what you thought of Splinter. If this was a revisit for you, did it hold up? If this was a new watch for you, are you uh, happy for me and Joe or are are you mad at us?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you happy for us? What, is this our anniversary? Are we going to go on a camping date? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, alright, well before we
0: announce what we're covering next week, um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Queers. Shoot us an email at HorrorQueers at gmail.com uh, Find us on Letterboxd to keep track of all the films we've covered. Go watch our YouTube channel for all of our interviews and conversations. If you want to chat with other listeners, please join our Facebook Horror Queers group. If you want to show us some love, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you want even more content, please support the show by becoming a patron at Patreon.com/slash/HorrorQueers. This month we've got episodes on the Outwaters, HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us, sixty-five, and of course, Scream Six. Shocker. Uh, and our audio commentary of the month will be on The Stranger's Pray at Night. Another lean, mean little film. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but Joe, mm-hmm.
1: what are we covering next week? Well, I feel like we should keep it in the indie vein, but we haven't gone Canadian enough this year, Trace. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I'm actually going to take us to the east coast of Canada, which uh, for you is going to be very confusing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we're going to check out a... Very low-key kind of horror film. This is a coming-of-age queer horror film called Closet Monster. Oh, boy. I feel like we've wanted
0: to cover this for a very long time, but we did write an article about this back when we were mm-hmm. doing our article, so I think we were trying to get some distance between our viewings.
1: Yeah, that that, and, you know, this is a film that I think some people will quibble like, oh, this isn't a horror film, and... For that, I would say, well, you've clearly never been a queer teenager, (laughs) but uh, I don't know. This one's a bit of an oddity. And yeah, you're right. We just needed a little bit of distance from it.
0: Well, and everyone, I mean, look, yeah, yeah, you might quibble calling it a horror film, but there is undoubtedly body horror in this film. Oh, for sure. For sure. So um, yeah, until next week, a movie that we are both very excited to talk about, uh, we can cross out Splinter. Indeed,
1: and cross out horror queers!